Well, good morning. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's so good to see you here at St. Mark's. Thanks for you who are watching online. Uh, we're in the midst of a sermon series right now that I'm calling New Year, Same Promises. New Year, Same Promises. And I, I started with this sermon series because around the new year, we're all making these resolutions. We're making these promises to ourselves and to other people in our lives and to God about how we're going to do things differently in the new year. We're going to exercise more. We're going to eat better. And, and yet, for many of us, by the time that the end of January rolls around, all of those promises that we've made to ourselves and to other people in our lives and to God, well, they're all broken. I, I mean, for me, this year I was going to read one book a week that had absolutely nothing to do with sermon prep or Bible study prep for church. Just fun reading. And I've got one week left to read three more books. <laughs> Something tells me I'm not going to make it. And so it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get disappointed when you are uh, not faithful in keeping your promises. And I could talk about that in a sermon, and everybody would just leave here sad. Or I could choose instead of talking about the promises that we make that we often break, I could talk about the promises of God that are faithful and true. These are promises that can be trusted. And so that's what we're doing in this series of sermons. And so today's passage of Scripture is this text from Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter. And the title of the sermon or the theme of the sermon today is God's Promise of Ministry. And as you figured out when we were reading the Scripture, it's a lot to do with fishing. And so I thought, who is somebody that I know well that loves to fish that might be able to help have some conversation about fishing as part of the sermon this morning. And so uh, I asked my good friend John Wilson, who loves to fish, if he would come and just share a little bit about uh, some fishing. So John, I want to ask you to begin with, tell me, how did you get started fishing? Good morning. You guys hear me okay? Um, man, I think the first time, I went as a kid, uh, as a youngster, but that was about once or twice. I really got plugged into fishing when a buddy at Ole Miss took me to Sardis Lake, Sardis Dams from Florida. He always had his fishing rods uh, in his Jeep Grand Cherokee, and uh, I was hooked after that. Uh, I think my first fish I caught was a big white pelican in the spillway. Um, <laughs> so I was trying to catch bigger fish, but it jumped on my lure because it thought it was a fish. So I can still see that back in 2004. But after that, I was hooked, uh, you know, traveled out west a bunch and just the uh, getting out in the environment and uh, being away from uh, the towns and people. And, but that's where I learned it sparked uh, at Ole Miss with a friend that took me out fishing. I was very appreciative to that. So we've learned another good reason for all of your children to go to Ole Miss. <laughs> so just thought I'd work that in. Absolutely. John, um, I got a few questions for you that uh, I sent to you. How important is patience in fishing? Well, if you've got kids on the boat with your kayak, it's really, really important. But... Uh, they, they're not very patient at times, but it's very important. But, uh, you know, you're not going to catch a fish every time you throw a lure out. And uh, if you did, you would uh, go to something else pretty quickly. So uh, it's very important. And I don't just go out there to catch fish, though. I do it for other reasons. 
And I spend time with God out there and, and think and recharge my batteries and get out there with nature, but it's really important. You can't sit at one hole for two hours. Uh, the fish is not there. They told you, this ain't working. So, got to move on. All right. So, tell me a little bit about how important is it in choosing a lure when you're going fishing? Yeah, I brought some lures up here. I'll show you in just a second, but it's very important uh, to, depends on what type of fish you want to catch. Uh, you know, I'd let you know it's like we've got to go to the fish where they are in life. If it's February, if it's March, if it's May or June, just depends. If I'm trying to catch, uh, I got a little lure here for you. It's called a popper. You know, put that on top of the uh, water, and you're not catching fish six feet down with this. Now, this thing floats, and uh, so if we want to have more of a subtle approach, a zoom worm, um, something that goes down and sinks real slow, if you need to be slower with it, the action slower, and not to scare them away, zoom worm. Something like a jig here. Everybody, my friends, love it when I talk about the jigs. And uh, the jig right here, it shakes a lot, makes some noise, but it's got a weight on it. It's going to get down there to five, six feet where the fish are down here. Maybe if it's a little colder, they're not on top. If they've eaten for the day, you've got to get down there where they are and more subtle approach and such. But it's very important on lures. If I want to catch a very small fish, I'm going to give them a small lure. If I want to catch a big fish, bigger lure, bigger fish. So uh, a lot of scenarios there, but I've got to meet the fish where they are when I'm going fishing. Uh, so if I want to catch a catfish, be on the bottom, fish something a little stinky, you know? Uh, if I want to catch a redfish, I need to have a uh, live bait or a scented shrimp or something like that. And a uh, redfish is my favorite fish to catch, by the way. So does that help? That, that helps. Uh, red is the color of Ole Miss, too. So that's... Uh, it's very uh, convenient. What's my favorite color, boys? They know it's red, so... Yeah. All right. Uh, one final question for you. Have you ever had a day that you didn't catch any fish? And... How did that feel, and what did you do? Well, I'm still trying to learn how to fish. I think that's about 98% of the time, so uh, no, not really. That happens a lot, and, um, and it's frustrating sometimes, you know, when you're doing that, and uh, should I have been doing something else? Could I have spent my time a little more wisely or done stuff at the house? And I have to remember what I'm trying to do for myself as an individual or spend time with God just getting out there as a dad of three and getting my recharge my batteries or listening and things like that. So just like, like you said, uh, chasing and, and serving people and being out there, it's not always going to get the return that you want. And I have to remember about that when I'm fishing as well or even hunting. So it's not just about that game or that fish or did I catch the size of fish that I wanted. Uh, so you have to reevaluate your goals sometimes. So. All right. Anything else we need to know about fishing today that you think? No, if I talk too much, I think everybody will be on the Stones River. I wouldn't have my hole anymore, so <laughs> I could really talk you into uh, fishing out there, so uh, awesome. we'll get more secrets another time. <laughs> Thank you so much, John. Yep. Y'all give John a hand. Oh. John, you did such a good job. You passed the test, so next week I'm going to let you preach the whole sermon. <laughs> That's fine. Um, well, I wanted John to share a little bit about fishing is because I think there's an important, some important aspects of fishing that help us in understanding this particular text that we've heard read for us this morning. I, one of the things that I love to do when I am preaching or preparing to preach or to teach a Bible study is the first thing I'll do is I'll sit down 
and I'll just come up with all the questions that I have about that particular text. Uh, and any question is a valid question. Uh, and I may ask myself a lot of questions that I don't know the answer to. I, I, I may not, I may ask a lot of questions that the answer is not known on this side of eternity. Uh, I may ask questions that uh, I can sort of make educated guesses about because of other scriptures, because of other traditions in the church, is life, our experience, and, and our traditions of the church. But, but I like to just ask those questions as I begin, because you never know what direction the sermon will take or the Bible study will take after you start asking those questions. And today's text is one of those texts that I just have so many questions as I look at what's happening in this gospel story. The first question that I came up with is, is, is this the first time that Jesus has ever seen these folks fishing? Uh, is this the first time he's ever seen them in his life? Uh, do you think that he was just walking along and said, oh, there's four people fishing, I'm going to ask them to follow me. I don't know. Do you think that uh, Jesus may have been uh, doing a healing or a miracle one day and he looks up and he kind of locks eyes with these four guys and then he sees them later as he's taking a leisurely stroll down the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. Or, or maybe Jesus was teaching in the synagogue or in a field somewhere and and as he looks out over the students that are there listening to what he had to say he locks eyes with these four guys that just so happen to be James and John and Peter and Andrew and then uh, sometime later he sees them as he's walking down the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. I have other questions like, do we think that these guys were the first people that Jesus ever called to follow him? Or do we think that maybe these four guys were the first people that said yes to Jesus when he asked them to follow? Or could it be that these are just the first four people that the gospel writers knew about who said yes to Jesus when he asked them to follow. And so maybe that's why they're included in the scripture. And then I think about if I'm one of the disciples, one of these four fishermen that end up following Jesus, are they familiar with Jesus? Or were they just busy doing what they do, fishing, finishing up, cleaning up, getting ready for the next night of fishing, when all of a sudden this guy comes up and approaches them? Is in any way, did these four people think, this is a scam? What, what's this guy really want? What, what, what's he trying to get us to do? I wonder that. I, I wondered if they had the question like, follow you? Follow you where? And, and what are we going to do when we follow you? And how much are we going to get paid? What's the benefits package? Do I get a 401k with that? Uh, who's going to take care of my business? Who's going to take care of my family? Can I at least go home and shower first so I don't smell like red fish? Um, could I at least go home and say goodbye to my family, my friends? Could I make sure that they're going to be okay? Could I have some time to think about it? 
Could I maybe talk to my wife about it? Because chances are she's not going to receive my impulsive and immediate decision to follow you in the same way that you might receive it, Jesus. Isn't that some of the questions that had to be going on through their minds? And then I think about the questions that I have as I observe this scripture unfolding. Doesn't it seem like these fishermen are being rather impulsive and reckless to just follow this guy who just happens to be on a leisurely stroll down the shoreline of Galilee, walks up to you and says, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. It seems really reckless. And then I ask myself, do I interpret this text differently if I think that this is the very first time that Jesus has ever seen these four guys, rather than could it be that Jesus has had multiple interactions with them before? Maybe he's broken bread with them. Maybe they were in a setting where he was teaching. Maybe they were there when uh, he was healing others and performing miracles. And then I have to ask, why would Jesus ask these fishermen in the first place? I mean, Jesus, you pick, you do you, you pick whoever you want to pick, but if I'm trying to find people that are going to follow me, if I'm trying to find people that are going to have a great and powerful influence on the world, I'm probably going to go with somebody that's got a better social pedigree other than a bunch of stinky, dirty, uh, sweaty fishermen. Uh, I'm probably going to want somebody who's steeped in theology, in tradition. I, I want somebody that's learned in the Old Testament, who, who knows about how God has been moving throughout the course of history, and who is able to expound upon it and pontificate about it uh, to anyone who would listen. I want people that are influencers. They have uh, good standing in the community. And, and if you're calling me to this itinerant preaching where we're going around and we don't know where our next meal is going to come from or where we're going to be able to lay our heads at night, I want to make sure that the folks I'm calling have got some financial funding for the enterprise that we are about. Why in the world would Jesus choose to call as some of his first disciples these four fishermen. And then I think about some of the things that John shared with us this morning. And I can't help but wonder if maybe the reason why Jesus called fishermen as some of the first disciples is because they knew some things about fishing that could easily be applicable to people. Things like sometimes you just have to have a little patience. There are people that, that, believe it or not, drive me crazy with their theological questions. When I see them walking down the hallways of church, I just want to hide in the broom closet. Because they pepper me over and over and over with questions. My brother is one of the worst about this. He's always asking me these deep theological questions. And I'm like, I don't have time to answer all of your theological questions. I'd like to talk about something else besides that. 
And yet a fisherman or a fisherwoman knows that you've got to have patience. You, you've got to be willing to sit it out, to wait it out, uh, to do what you need to do. Um, you've got to have patience. A fisherman or a fisherwoman also knows that if you're going to fish, there are going to be days where you, you may throw your line in the water and, or your net in the water and, and you don't catch anything. And, and you've got to be patient. You can't just move immediately to somewhere else. You'll be bouncing around the lake or the water all day long. You've you got to be willing to stick it out and have patience where you are. Trust that you know what you're doing. Trust that you can catch fish and that you will catch fish. But you've also got to know that there may come a time where uh, today's not your day. It's, it's not the right time. You're not fishing at the right depth. You're not fishing with the right lure or bait. And so you've got to be willing to move on. When you're fishing uh, for fish, you also have to have perseverance. There are going to come days when you just don't catch fish. But you don't give up and never go fishing again just because you had a day or two where you were unable to catch fish. No, you still believe in what you're doing. You still believe that you can do what you set out to do. And, and so you just go back the next day or the next day or the next day in, in, in order to, to do that. And a fisherman would know or a fisherwoman would know that if you're going to fish that you can't catch all the same fish with the same lure. You got to know uh, who it is that you're, wh what it is you're trying to catch. And so you, you the depth of your bait and, and the type of bait uh, and the weight of the bait, the size of the bait, all matters when you're trying to figure out how to catch that particular fish. And I think the same thing is true when we follow Jesus. We have to have patience because sometimes things don't happen in just the way that we would like for them to, just the way that we would hope for them to, uh, and yet we just got to have patience, and, and, and we've got to be willing to move on to something else and try something else if we don't get the results that we want to get. We also have to have perseverance. There may be days when we don't feel especially close to God, but we don't give up trying to uh, develop or cultivate or sustain a relationship with God. We, we, we get up the next day and we, we try again. We, we find whatever motivation we need to keep trying to, to do that. And, and we realize that we're all different, just like all fish are different, and so we need to try different approaches, different ways of, of developing, cultivating, sustaining a relationship with God and, and different ways to try to share the good news of God's love with other people. Because I believe that in the same way the object when you're fishing is to get the fish into the boat, uh, to be fishers of people, to be followers of Jesus is to try to get people into the boat or into the net with Jesus. It's about communicating the good news of God's great love in such a way that people can't help but respond uh, to that love. And so we've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. And I believe that in the same way that Jesus knew that these fishermen would figure it out, 
that they would keep trying, that they would have patience, that they would have perseverance, that they would try anything and everything in order to, to bring other people into the boat of Jesus' love. I believe that Jesus wants and expects the same for us. And so you may not feel particularly called, you may not feel particularly gifted, you may not feel like you're a theologian or a scholar or that you're intellectual or a great social standing or, or that you're an influencer in any way. You may not be particularly wealthy, but Jesus is saying if you'll just say yes and if you'll just be open to how you might do things differently and how you might approach people differently, I can and I will make you fishers of people. Now some of you love confrontation. And some people love to be confronted. And so when you meet somebody that loves confrontation or loves to be confronted, then that may be the lure that you, do, you use in order to try to bring people into the boat with Jesus. Now, some of you uh, prefer personal invitations. I was at a meeting last week, and they said, well, the preacher needs to ask this person to do this job personally because nobody can say no to the preacher. I'm here to tell you that they do say no to me. They just don't say no to her on, so I get her on to ask. Nobody's ever said no to her. But there are people that are invitational. They enjoy an invitation and all they're waiting on. They, they probably would never volunteer or never do it unless they're invited to do it. You may have an invitational spirit. And so Jesus may want you to be the one that extends that sincere and heartfelt invitation as a way for that person to respond favorably and get into the boat with Jesus. You may be an intellectual, or you may know people that are really intellectually minded. And so, if you know people that are intellectually minded, then feel-good emotional religion is probably not the best approach to get that person into the boat with Jesus. You're going to have to use your brain. You're going to have to be more cerebral. You're going to have to approach faith from, as an intellectual enterprise in order to get those folks to get into the boat with Jesus. The most important aspect of being a follower of Jesus, the most important aspect of helping Jesus get other people into the boat is to just pan the room and the people in your life and figure out what is it that would speak most favorably and impressionably to those people and, and to try to either yourself or find someone who can speak in whatever language they need so that they can respond to the good news of God's great love made known to us in Christ so that they may too get in the boat with Jesus. You may not feel especially called. Uh, you may not feel especially equipped. But I promise you, God can and will use you. And we are all here in this room today because somebody knew us well enough 
and how to communicate God's love to us well enough that we said yes and got in the boat with Jesus. And our lives have never been the same. There is room in Jesus' boat. Let's go be fishers of people.